I'm Shachar Azani, and in the news, the Zionist Rabbinic Coalition holds its first national conference between May 22nd and the 24th, 2022. The Bible Museum in Washington, D.C. is home to the first national conference of the Zionist Rabbinic Coalition. Our guest today is Rabbi Stuart Weinblatt, who is the founder and visionary behind the Zionist Rabbinic Coalition. The coalition's mission is to foster love and dedication to Zionism in Israel among generations of American Jews and to promote unity, understanding, and cooperation among the Jewish communities of Israel and the diaspora. Rabbi Weinblatt, it's a pleasure to have you again with us on JBS. Thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure to be with you. Thank you, Shahar. So let's straight dive into it. I want to talk to you about the uh, Zionist Rabbinic Coalition, which you established. First of all, why did you feel it was important to establish such an organization? How did it come to be? So first of all, uh, the, the reasoning and the, the, the justification. Um, there is concern in uh, many quarters about what we're sensing, and that is the distancing um, of American Jews um, and many people talk about the distancing of young American Jews from Israel, whether it's alienation or just apathy or whatever. Um, and I would contend, as do my colleagues who have joined with me, um, that the reality is part of that distancing is coming because of the messaging that is coming forth from rabbis, that we rabbis have a responsibility as this gap is, is, is existing, whether it's large or not, whether it's growing or not, we can do one of three things. We can either contribute to that distancing, we can either choose to do nothing or try and close that gap. And that's part of what I thought was very important for us to do. And so with that then, um, we decided to create something called the Zionist Rabbinic Coalition. When, when did you uh, come to that idea and how did it come about? So it's interesting, our first session of this conference, our first conference is being held at the Museum of the Bible which in certain respects comes full cycle. I was at the Museum of the Bible with um, Israel's ambassador at the time, Ron Dermer. Um, we both spoke at the uh, dedication. We placed a mezuzah in the uh, archeological room, which has archeological finds from Israel. And as we were talking about uh, things, it just so happens this was a couple of days after the United States had announced that it was recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And it was also going to be moving the embassy of the United States from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem to its capital. Now, this is something that, that Jewish organizations have called for for uh, decades. It's something that has been a resolution passed by Congress for decades as well. And so one would have thought that there would be great excitement and acceptance. Instead, the National Organization of the Reform Movement came out with a very... Uh, uh, less than enthusiastic uh, uh, statement about it. And the conservative movement came out also with an equally tepid comment. And so Ambassador Derber turned to me and he said, this is something that is surprising because if we look at the Jewish people and the importance and centrality of Jerusalem, um, the liberal or progressive organizations, the non-Orthodox uh, movements are coming out with statements that are not really supportive of, of positions of the state of Israel. And he asked me, can you do something about this? He said, perhaps you could take a group of rabbis to Israel. Let's let them meet, let them see firsthand what's happening there and how we can try and work together to emphasize these issues of Jewish unity and of Jewish peoplehood. And so with that, um, I organized a group of uh, 21 rabbis um, from all different movements, 
Um, seven of them were female rabbis, so it was really a very broad, and, and we had Orthodox rabbis as well, a broad-based coalition of individuals who were positively inclined and who wanted to positively engage with Israel. We went, we spent um, uh, several days there meeting with the prime minister at the time, Bibi Netanyahu, the leader of the opposition, C.P. Livni and of others. And during the context of our meetings, we had a chance to speak about issues of concern to the American Jewish community. But I want to emphasize, Shahar, that we did it in a way that is consistent with what Judaism teaches, something that we rabbis of all people certainly should be aware of. And that is that when we do something called tohaha, which means if somebody does something you don't agree with or you think is wrong, then our sages teach us that you have a responsibility to speak to the person privately, not to publicly embarrass someone. And for some reason, when it comes to Israel, rabbis have felt the need to publicly violate that principle of tohaha. And instead of being supportive and instead of carrying those messages in a way in which it is held within the mishpacha, within the family, to speak publicly. So part of what we wanted to do, Shachar, then, was to create an organization and, and out of it, rather, I should, I'm putting the cart before the horse. First, we took this mission. Then after that, the rabbis, the 21 rabbis who were part of that, held series of informal conversations, discussions. We came to Washington, where we met with Jason Greenblatt prior to the release of the peace plan at the White House. We met with Ambassador Dermer at the embassy. And we realized, you know what, that there is a need for this kind of an organization, this kind of a coalition to exist. There's nothing else out there, which is transdenominational rabbis from all movements who are committed to being positively and constructively engaged with Israel. It committed to closing that gap, committed to emphasizing Jewish unity and peoplehood and being supportive of Israel. And so that's kind of really where this all uh, germinated from. And that's why we are having this first conference to bring rabbis together from across the country to have the opportunity to strengthen our voice um, and to learn together as well. The, uh, I, I have to ask you, Rabbi, when you came up with this idea, so you, we know a lot of talkers in our world, we know a lot of people who have great ideas, and here you are, decide to go ahead and fulfill the vision. I'm just wondering, as you took that first step and you reached out to your peers, whether part of the mission to Israel or beyond to build a coalition, what were the kind of responses that you received when you presented them with your vision? So first of all, um, a number of rabbis felt that there was really a, an important need for this kind of an organization, um, that, that they didn't feel that there was anyone else out there who was articulating this kind of a view. Um, there are certain uh, uh, organizations which are uh, um, associated with the various religious denominations here in the United States who are critical of Israel in a public way, and then who question, gee, I, I wonder why they're not really listening to us. So we feel Zolo Hader, that, that there's got to be a better way. And that at the end of the day, I think it's very important to understand that when rabbis speak critically of Israel and publicly will um, criticize various policies, oftentimes people don't hear that nuance. There are times when people, uh, members of congregations, have written columns. Uh, this happened in, 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 in the Washington Post or the New York Times. They hear the rabbi giving a message. And so it becomes amplified. And at the end of the day, what happens is not just a criticism of Israel, which will change the government of Israel or the policies of Israel or the feelings of Israelis, but the audience that hears those messages 
The audience, which is the American Jewish community, which doesn't always necessarily distinguish between that nuance. And I recognize that rabbis may have a right and may feel that they have an obligation to speak out out of a prophetic voice when there are things that are happening in Israel. And no one is ever naive enough to think that Israel is perfect or that any country is perfect. But part of it has to do with what is the impact of our words. And so as I was saying, the impact is going to affect the hearts and the minds of those who hear that message. And they're going to be distanced, not just from Israel, but ultimately from the Jewish people and from Judaism. And I know that I've, I've heard this happen many times, and I've seen it in conversations I've had with young people who have taken messages and have heard certain aspects of it. So there again, part of what we're trying to say is, let's think about the impact of our words. Let's think about whether or not this is really going to be a positive and constructive uh, means of bringing about any change. And even larger than that, what's the big picture of the connection to Judaism and the Jewish people when we are constantly giving messages that are critical of Israel? Well, you know, Israel lives in a world where there is a cacophony of criticisms on Israel. And at some point, exactly like you say, Israelis' ears are kind of shut off when they hear so much criticism coming from the direction of international media, UN organizations, foreign governments, etc. And I think this is a real strength because you have one discussion, Rabbi, at the shul, but then again, when it spills out there as if somehow to show their merit, we remember vividly, well, from last year, during the Guardian of the Walls in May of 2021, there was a, a famous uh, letter sent 90 rabbinical students who signed a letter accusing Israel of apartheid and calling on American Jews to hold Israel accountable for appropriate human rights abuses. And I think this is uh, definitely indicative of the picture that you're painting. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, that was very, very disturbing um, to, and it was a bit of a wake-up call. And so what we through the Zionist Rabbinic Co Coalition have done in response to that letter is first of all, during to think that that I, I, I'm old enough to remember the Six Day War and the, the rallying of support. I went with my father and, because uh, I'm from Baltimore originally, to the uh, uh, Lafayette Square across the street from the White House. And it was the first time that I felt and saw as a young person, a very young person, the outpouring of unity and of pride in Israel and of the Jewish people. I remember the 1973 war and other times when Israel has been attacked. This was so different and so unique. When in our history have Jews stood up and have been publicly critical of a defensive action of Israel and of the Jewish people defending themselves? And so in response to that, we wrote a rabbinic letter of support, which was signed by over 600. I sent it to the prime minister. We sent it to the prime minister and to members of Congress so they would know. However, unfortunately, um, the 90 rabbinic students letter is the one that got the publicity, not ours, which garnered over 600 signatures. And if we would have had the time and the effort and to be perfectly honest, the wherewithal and the funds and resources to get this letter out even further, um, more people would be aware of it and we would have had more signatures. Well, so that's the first thing that I want to say that we said very clearly that what Israel was doing was defending itself um, and, and that it was justified. And we spoke out on that. Second of all, the fact that there would be 90 rabbinic students from all different kinds of, of, of seminaries who would have that kind of, of uh, chutzpah to write this kind of a letter, uh, some of which are, are, are the points that you've just raised, was, as I said, a wake-up call. So in addition to the letter that we wrote, 
Um, just recently, um, we have sent a letter to the heads of all of the seminaries that are ordaining rabbis, the major institutions that are ordaining rabbis, calling for them to evaluate as, they're, as they are evaluating who to admit to the rabbinical school programs. And there are things that are important to evaluate character um, to one, and, and in terms of the nature of the individual and in terms of certain aspects of their beliefs, I'm sure no rabbinical school would want to hide, would want to admit a student who is a blatant misogynist, a blatant uh, 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 a racist or anything and so on. So we're saying that in addition to the criteria that you look at as to decide and determine who to accept to become a rabbi, which ultimately means a future leader of the American Jewish people, we want to um, ask you to consider and to make sure that these are also individuals who have the quality of Ahavat Yisrael, love of Israel, and there that means of the Jewish people, who are who also who are um, accepting of the concept and the principle of Zionism as the national liberation expression of the Jewish people, and we're supportive of that. It's very important that the future generation rabbis are committed to the Jewish people. Social justice is very important and is an essential integral part of being Jewish, but so also is advocacy for Judaism and the Jewish people, no less important. And what we hope to achieve is to encourage the rabbinical seminaries to see to it that there are individuals who are going to uh, maintain and have both of those qualities and believe in both of those principles, not just one or the other. You know, that's, uh, you echo such supreme principles, Rabbi, and I just want to, you know, shine a light on them. First of all, it's this understanding of the severity of the situation where rabbinical students who are supposedly may lead congregations all across the U.S., take such a line that supposedly uh, will admit them to society if only they say, I'm Jewish, I'm a rabbi, and here I am. The second thing is the great appreciation that you echo for the very existence of the state of Israel and the fortune of our generation to live at such a time when we receive the gift that was taken away from us thousands of years ago and we have an opportunity to save it. But then again, if you listen carefully to what you say, it's not a lack of criticism of Israel. You are allowed to have leg legitimate criticism of Israel, constructive criticism and discussion. It's all about the show off of that criticism that undermines the very existence of the Jewish state. Am I correct? One, absolutely. One of the things that I, I say when I speak with colleagues and other rabbis, and that is one has to be certain and be careful to make sure that the voices of criticism and of critique of Israel that you express are not louder than your expressions of love and of support. And I think at the end of the day, that is something that's very important as well. In other words, what is the message that comes through? What is the, 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 the aspect of how we talk to and about Israel? You know, in these days, um, the last thing that Israel needs and you listed some of the critics of Israel, are more people to pile on and be critical of Israel. We have the United Nations, we have the European Union, there are plenty of NGOs, there are plenty of organizations out there. And for Jews, I think we have a responsibility to help to understand the context, to help to understand the content. And even if one doesn't necessarily feel so great about Israel, it's the homeland to close to 50% of the Jewish people. That in and of itself justifies our Ahavat Yisrael. We are 
a people. We are one, and we need to be able to be supportive of each other. When we look at Jewish history, there's been this sense of um, a, a longing for Zion. There's been a sense of longing for Israel. But there also is the sense of that our fate and our destiny is one, and that we share that in common with all Jews. And somehow we need to remind people of that. The rabbinic community is very important as setting a tone, as leaders, as um, influencers upon others. Um, and as a result, that's one of the reasons why the Zionist rabbinic coalition is so important, um, to help rabbis uh, be empowered. I want to tell you, Shachar, there are some, um, especially among young rabbis and among young rabbinical students who have felt intimidated, not because they are critical of Israel, but rather because they are supporters of Israel. It's almost as if the default position has become that one has to take a social justice critique position of Israel. And again, no one is saying that Israel is not without its faults. But for the people who talk, for example, about um, when, when there are problems with uh, uh, in, in, in Gaza and Samaria, or, or, or Judea and Samaria, or Gaza, or elsewhere, in the West Bank of, of, of you know, sometimes we hear stories about olive trees being uprooted or things like that. I want to know, do they also talk about the amazing work of a place like the Volcani Institute, which helps farmers who are Palestinians improve their uh, production and helps to give them some of the technological advances that have come from Israel? Are those who are critical of Israel also talking about some of the um, uh, uh, largesse and the magnificence of the munificence of what Israel does on behalf of uh, others as well. Very true. You know, uh, you mentioned a word before, Rabbi, you mentioned nuance and context. In a world that lacks nuance and context when it comes to Israel, it's, it's almost an obligation of leaders, especially rabbis who lead so many people and congregations, to provide the world what it's missing. Because, you know, there is, there is this feeling when you present those critiques of Israel to people who have no idea, it's like trying to teach them Talmud and Gemara to people who don't know the alphabet. I have no idea what the context is. I don't know the complexities. And yet you immediately push this criticism down my throat. And this simplicity is really undermining Israel's position in, in the world and in public opinion. I, I have to ask you though, just to get down to, uh, uh, to the conference that you're having, uh, mm -hmm. what is it that the conference is going to include? Anybody who participates or may want to partake in the future in the conference, what components do you have of it that you're able to provide the rabbis? Sure. Um May I just get back to one quick point, though, no, uh, that, uh, that you said a moment ago, and then I'll talk about the conference. Um, and that is one of the problems, I think, that is where, what are the sources of our information? For most Americans and most American Jews, it's going to be the primary media outlets, places such as CNN and other uh, uh, um, cable news networks places and, and the regular major uh, mainstream news networks, the New York Times, the Washington Post, um, and, and other media outlets, the AP. And so those places are not necessarily going to help to give the context. Many of those reporters are often just dropped into an area. They don't understand what uh, the, the historical situation. And so when they're presenting things, unfortunately, People such as, uh, uh, I'll, I'll name names, uh, Christian uh, Amnapur, who uh, uh, has a very strong bias, and certainly there are others as well. If our people are only hearing that message, then of course they're going to come to certain conclusions. All right. There again, I just, and I'm just a, a comment on what you said earlier, part of our responsibility as rabbis, 
I think, is to help people understand the greater context about the situation that Israel is dealing with, and sometimes to correct those misimpressions and those things that are falsely reported in the news. Again, we're emphasizing now and saying it's not to say Israel's perfect, not to say it's above, above beyond criticism uh, or, or anything like that, but let's at least try and understand context. Right. Now, also, US... that's, what, that's what we're trying to do here at JBS, and that's why I'm so happy to have you share that information, because hopefully more and more viewers, rabbis or congregants will go to the rabbis and say the Zionist Rabbinic Coalition is an incredible asset that you, we can be part of and really empower our community with the, the, the right tools of engagement as Jews with the state of Israel. As it is right now, we have uh, already uh, over 200 rabbis who have joined within the short period of time uh, that we're here. And in fact, you go to our website, which is ZionistRabbis.org. Very easy to remember and both learn about some of the things that we're doing. You can also see some of the uh, webinars that we've done on Zoom, which are open to uh, uh, the public to be able to, to view those. Um, and in addition to that, um, you can see the list of rabbis who have joined. So to the extent that we hope that this message will amplify, that we welcome other rabbis to join, we welcome other members of congregations to encourage the rabbis to join and to be a part of this. Um, again, getting I'll get to the conference in a moment, but the length, one of the things I want to say is, anecdotally, I've heard of many people who have left congregations precisely because of the fact that they are tired of hearing messages that are so critical of Israel. And in many instances, people who are basically reform and conservative Jews sometimes feel that they're going to be more comfortable in a more traditional or even in a Chabad setting, because in some communities, that's become the pro-Israel synagogue. And part of our message is to rabbis is, you know, that we need to also keep that in mind in terms of speaking on behalf of and for and with and for our people. Now, let me get back to the uh, conference, et cetera. It's something very, very exciting. Um, we've put together an amazing uh, uh, lineup. Uh, we have uh, Ambassador Michael Herzog is going to be uh, Israel's ambassador to the United States, will be speaking to us. But in addition to Ambassador Herzog, I'm really very excited to say that uh, Turkey's ambassador is scheduled to be with us as well and is hosting us at his official residence, which is part of the fact that Turkey wants to improve its relations with the West, with the United States. It sees Israel and the Jewish community and rabbis as part of the uh, a means to do that. And so we will be engaging in a dialogue with the, uh, uh, at the Turkish, uh, uh, with the Turkish officials as well. And then one of the things that I think um, we haven't quite recognized how significant the Abraham Accords are. I just returned from a visit to the UAE, UAE where I was in Abu Dhabi and Dubai and was really so uh, uh, impressed by the outreach that exists. We met there with the, I met there with the Israel's ambassador to the UAE, as well as to the Sheikh who is responsible for the Sheikh Zayed Mosque, and also the individual who is the project director of the um, Abrahamic House, which is going to have and house a um, place of worship for Jews, for Muslims, and for Christians. Well, I mentioned this because the UAE ambassador, Yusuf Al-Alteba, who is an extraordinary individual, will be hosting us at the embassy as well. One we'll of the be celebrating of the Abraham Accords. Yes, we will be celebrating the Abraham Accords with him and talk and dialoguing with him. Um, so we have these three ambassadors who will be with us. We have Israel's immediate past deputy chief of staff, um, Yal Zamir, who's going to talk with us about the security challenges that Israel is facing. Um, we also have an indi individuals who are going to talk with us about how to define when anti-Semitism 
And when anti-Zionism crosses the line to become anti-Semitism. Um, in addition to that, Alicia Wiesel is going to talk about, and in a dialogue with rabbis, about how we should, a different way to frame and phrase Israel understanding as really probably one of the greatest tikkun alum stories that exist. We don't think about that. We think about tikkun as being separate. And so we want to try and talk about how to integrate that. So we'll be exploring many different issues, how Israel is presented in the media. We also will give rabbis a chance to talk to each other. How do we strengthen our selves? How do we strengthen our work? How do we reinforce what we're doing? How do we spread that message? We'll be meeting with individuals from some a, a new organization called Vibe Israel, which is trying to change the way in which Israel is branded and presented in social media, such as uh, uh, on Instagram and Facebook and elsewhere. So it's really a, a, a wide uh, uh, swath. We'll be hearing from Jonathan Shanzer about the latest in regard to the, uh, for the foundation of the defense for democracies, about the latest situation with Iran. And there again, we're gonna hear from Mark Levin about the situation of Jews in Ukraine and how that is impacting the war with, in, in Ukraine, but also someone's gonna talk about it from a geopolitical view. So it's really a, a, a wide range of issues that we're gonna be confronting and dealing with, um, talking about, learning about, and then hopefully taking these messages with us back to our home communities. This is uh, this sounds like an incredible uh, rabbinical power grid, Rabbi. And I'm very, very excited about what we've been able to put together. And, and in fact, actually, when I was in Israel just last week, I spoke with Israel's president, uh, 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 Isaac Herzog, um, and who is very supportive of what we're doing and who, who re personally recorded a special message uh, of support because he said what you're doing is so important. So he recognizes that um, as well. Um, I'll just mention, by the way, when, when we had the meeting the very first time in Israel with um, the prime minister at the time, <coughs> Prime Minister Netanyahu, uh, it, he had in his cabinet room with him members of his national security team. And it was afterwards explained to me, and then I came to realize the reason he had those individuals there is because the American Jewish community is viewed as part of Israel's strategic alliance, a strategic asset. And we have an important role to play. And so that is also part of what we're trying to understand <clears throat> and to build upon as well. And, and just a quick word, because we're reaching the end. Um, we, we do hope that you'll get a chance to, you know, plan another mission to Israel, because, you know, beyond the leadership, the people of Israel seeing such chizuk, such strengthening of the soul to see the support of trans-denominational rabbis, who take the title of rabbi and a Zionist with such pride, dignity, and honor would be a great message of support for, for Israelis and Jews in Israel. You asked me earlier about the reception among rabbis, and that's been one of the keys, is again, that many rabbis feel pleased to know there are other rabbis like them because of the fact that the dominant voice in the American media and unfortunately, in much of the Jewish media is often to go to those rabbinic organizations, and I'm not talking about the movements, but, but just organizations which are have a, a tendency to be critical of Israel. And right. so um, that and the aspect of working together across all denominations is something that Israel should and does unite us. By the way, just uh, one of the other speakers we're having is Dumasani Washington, who is a black leader who is, the, has, is head of the Institute for Black Solidarity with Israel. He is going to speak about the accusation. Now, I've heard him on the JBS. That's when I first found out about him um, and about the accusation of Israel as an apartheid state and helping to dismantle that. So this is going to be, uh, we're going to have really uh, very helpful tools for rabbis to understand the situation on the ground today.
That's incredible. So uh, I know the conference will be a great success. And in general, the Zionist Rabbinic Coalition, there is so much more I'm hoping to hear. And always count on JBS to be there by your side. So please come, come again many a time. Share with us and our viewers and the Jewish community as a whole the great news that you're bringing and hopefully a changing of tithing when it comes to what rabbis feel they have to do when they talk about Israel with their congregants. I think this is the true Bsora. This is the true news and great news that you have been able to bring to us today. Thank you so much, Rabbi, for joining us. Shakar, thank you. I must tell you, you know, there are times when I tell people about our organization and they say, really, why do you even need something like this? Rabbi supportive of Israel, that should be a, a automatic. But unfortunately, in the times that we live in, we need this. And so I certainly appreciate uh, you're giving me the opportunity to share uh, what it is that we're doing with your broad audience. And we welcome uh, a participation uh, of, of uh, supporters and of colleagues. Thank you so much for what you do as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on JBS, Rabbi, and for all that you do with the Zionist Rabbinic Coalition. Do not underestimate the word Zionist in there. And for all that you do to strengthen our Jewish family and our Jewish unity, I wish you a beautiful conference and much success in all that you do. And to all of our viewers, I'd like to say, stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy, and continue with the line of Ahavat Israel, the love of Israel. I'd like to thank our director, Sloan Copeland, JBS's managing director, Dara Golob, our technical manager, Michael Paley, transmission manager, John McDevitt, and to our wonderful producer of In the News, Carol Lilienthal. For JBS, I'm Shahar Azani. Until next time, see you soon. Shalom and Lehi Trabu.